Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe here from South Florida in the middle of the main event of the World Series of Poker. And uh, we'll be talking about that tonight. A lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, Controversy with Phil Helmuth. We'll get into that tonight. Uh, Local guy was the chip leader going into the day, Barry Hutter, uh, who lives in Hollywood, originally from the west coast of Florida, over near Sarasota. But he was the chip leader going into the day. Kelly Minken from uh, Phoenix held the lead for a while and playing very well. And a lot of big names uh, right up there near the top. Including some people. Uh, you mentioned Joe Cotter is still alive as, one, as the last uh, champion to, uh, to to still be alive. But we also have Cliff Josephy making a deep run that we know of coming in third. I believe it was just two years two ago. Years ago. Uh, two years there's, ago. There's uh, Cotter is the only main event champion still in. Okay. Uh, and uh, Benjamin Pollock, or Pollock, I don't know. From not last sure. year's He was nine. the third place finisher last year. Is the only November Niner from last year still in. Right. We can't get out of that habit of saying November Niners now either, huh? Well, <laughs> it wasn't really November I, Nine. I, you're right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, but I, that's how I that that's how I look to name these guys now to to distinguish them. You know. Uh, they're down to 178 players. Uh, is the last I have. Uh, Alexander Gross just took the lead with a big two million dollar uh, pickup. Uh, Andres Jekine second. Eric Frolick is in third. Barry Hutter is now down to fifth. Brian Yoon, who knocked out uh, Scott Blumstein on day one, uh, is in sixth. And Pollock is in tenth right now. Uh, Kelly Macon has dropped to about 14th. So she still has 4.1 million chips. The leader has 5.9 million chips. We, we won't run down all the chip counts. We decided that was a little yeah. bit futile. <laughs> but uh, we're down to 178 players. They're in level 23 with blinds at 15,000 and 30,000 with 5,000 ante. So I think they're headed shortly to dinner. But uh, uh, we've had some very interesting things occur in this main event yeah, so far. A lot of <laughs> you great stuff. You mentioned Phil Helmuth, um, you know, a local player here doing what he does best and uh, getting under people's skin, uh, making a big uh, splash. In, in, yeah, in, we'll talk about that because I want to talk about the situation and and uh, why he was not disqualified or he was penalized. No, I, I thought don't know. He, he was not even penalized. No, the player got disqualified. Oh, that was that was the racial slur. The racial slur. But yes. uh, I'm talking about Phil. Phil should have been probably penalized, but he was not. And everybody talked about Being giving him I a retroactive penalty the next day. Well, yeah, I, and again, I'm, I apologize because I did not read up on that. I happened to catch on TV uh, Phil's last probably 15, 20 minutes that he was alive in the tournament, um, and no one mentioned that. Um, you know what I found interesting that we spoke earlier today, um, discussing what we'd be talking about was a banner that he had going on with a guy that he called the Russian, and it was Vladimir Beshnikov or something like that. You'll forgive me that I can't pronounce the gentleman's last name, but um, you know, Phil, Phil, I thought Phil made a very, very uh, interesting offer to this gentleman who kept needling him and busting his chops. So. I'd like to discuss that real quick with you, but first I'd like to hear about what you mentioned that Phil... Well, we'll get to Phil in a little bit with. because it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, 
speaking out of turn, really, and or, or, or just speaking up with if the three-handed. If it, it influenced, influenced the hand, if yeah. it definitely influenced the hand, he should have definitely received okay. some sort of Okay, well, we'll get to that in a little bit, because I got a bunch of a reaction from big-name players. Sean Deeb was on the, uh, the uh, live feed at the time, the live stream, and was uh, spoke up against Phil immediately. Uh, some other players, Justin Bonomo, uh, Chris Moneymaker, and a few others also uh, spoke out against him. And uh, we'll talk about what happened at the end of that as well. Uh, we have seen Phil at the feature table. We've seen Phil Ivy at the feature table, and he ended up getting knocked out yesterday. I want to talk about a couple of his hands. Um, a lot of interesting players. The Magician has been at the feature table, and there's several feature tables, uh, actually. I think there's three of them altogether. There's one main one and then two other ones that they cut to right away. But I've really enjoyed the the broadcasts, which have been on just about every day on ESPN or ESPN2. And then when they go off the air, it goes to Poker Go. So uh, you can watch just about as much as you want uh, and, on a half-hour delay. And listen, unfortunately, I have not seen a whole lot of it, but... You know, you know, it was very interesting to turn this on and watch it since I, you know, my other job I do work at night. Uh, but when I've been home, I've turned it on. You know, and, and it's been very interesting watching some of the scenarios from early on. Um, I just wish I had more time to have seen it because this definitely, and you know how I feel about watching poker tournaments. <laughs> Uh, but I do enjoy, and I don't mind that it's an hour and a half late because I'm not reading the write-ups on, on online, so I can, you know, kind of enjoy it like if it's a live, completely live feel, and love the interaction between the the commentators, what the players are saying, um, you know, it, it, it to me that's enjoyable poker watching right, right there. Right, exactly. And uh, I'm going to go home and watch it tonight because it comes on at nine o'clock tonight uh, on the ESPN two, and all the way till two a.m. So. You can get just about as much of it as you want and don't even really need Poker Go to, to supplement that. But uh, I was looking at one hand here, uh, and I'm going to work some hands into the discussion of a few players here and there and get Joe's thoughts on some of that. But uh, plenty of things to talk about. The tournament, by the way, the uh, series moves on with other events. Uh, there was another bracelet awarded last night, and uh, there's still about uh, four, five or six events that still be played. So uh, we'll look at uh, some of those maybe later in the show if we get a chance. But I was looking at this one hand. There's a player named Eric Hicks who has a, lo- a big beard, bushy beard, and uh, uh, you know, kind of a hippie-type kind of guy, from, or maybe a, a southern gentleman. who I don't know how to identify him. But he's a pretty interesting character. At one time held the chip lead early on day one. Uh, but someone tweeted a, a hand here from Sunday, and uh, I just wanted to run that down and see what you thought. Uh, he was in the small blind, and the, he, the big blind called also as well, following a raise of 15,000 chips at that time. That was on Sunday, which was, uh, you know, day three, I think. Uh, the flop was eight, a pair of eights and an ace, two diamonds. And Hicks and the big blind checked to the original raiser who bet 15,000. Uh, Hicks check raised it to 55,000. The big blind folded. The turn and the river. So I gather the original better called the, the bet. Right? Yes. Called the raise. All right. The turn and turn was uh, ten of spades. The seven was uh, of hearts. Uh, was the river. They were both checked through, and Hicks turned over seven deuce of clubs. <laughs> the opponent had king nine of diamonds. 
And so he took down, he missed took out down the hand with a better, just with a higher card. So he missed out on the flush draw, and uh, so uh, uh, Hicks actually uh, picks up uh, with a pocket, uh, uh, with a seven on the river, picks up with a, with a small pair. Uh, so it was the second time he had taken down a pot holding seven deuce. So the funny thing uh, I thought about this was the tweet was from Tim Riley, who we had on the show a few weeks ago with his wife Ness. Uh, he said, is anyone else hoping for a Hicks grinder feature table? <laughs> he said, everything about it would be epic. Can you imagine Nick Schulman trying to break down what's going on? Yeah, well, that's because of the style of play. So, yeah, well, listen, what's that say? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, you know? By the way, I don't even know if the grinder's still in. I think he's out. Oh, no, he's been, yeah, he's, I yeah, checked. He's been out. I don't know if he even made the uh, the money. I don't think no, he made I the money. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think I you're right. I don't think he made the money. I think you're right. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about a few things. Chino Reem had a deep run for a while, ended up getting knocked out. Uh, there was some discussion about uh, a lot of people hoping that maybe he would have a big score and be able to pay off people he still owes. So that wasn't a one-time thing. Back in the Epic Poker League, I guess it's gone on and on. And uh, he only, he was knocked out at only won 42000 So I don't think that's going to take care of too many people that he owes. No, uh, but again, growth. Growing up in the Northeast, uh, I'm surprised. I don't I, that you have that you owe so many people this, and you continue to keep playing. So uh, they don't break as many legs down nah, in Florida, I guess do they? Not. I well, listen, like they say, you, you you can't collect from somebody who can't make it to the point. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just you know, listen. You know, everybody has their own arrangement rules, and I don't know what Chino's is, but uh, obviously it has not gone well for him. If people are still waiting. Uh, for him to make a big score, just just to get even uh, on there, uh, Dave. Though, but one thing, real quick, before we go on to anything else, is we discussed last week. You asked me what I thought the uh, the field would be like. Right. Yeah, I want to talk about the numbers here in this opening segment. So uh, go ahead well, and finish listen, your thought there. I I assumed that. I guess I was looking at the at the numbers from the year before. Yeah, the year before 68. was sixty eight. Last year was so, seventy two twenty one. Right. So based on what I had said, I would have expected you know that it would have risen to about seventy six. You know, I thought it'd go up about that about a percentage, and I believe the final number was seventy eight seventy four. Yes, that was the uh, final total play. So. You're looking at roughly six. Uh, was it six hundred more players? Probably eight and a half to nine. Yeah, nine nine percent increase. Uh, you know, increase. Remember, I thought I told you I thought that that would be great. You know that that's a tremendous trend to to, to see. And to be honest with you, you know, up until you know the the last three years. Ever since uh, Jamie Gold, looking at I was looking at the numbers. That was really interesting. I believe it was from the Jamie Gold, uh, where we had uh, you know everything came crashing down in 2006 uh-huh. uh, with the I went to the UGA one, and then before that. But the tournaments, if I remember correctly, kept going one year up, one year down. Next year a little bit more. The following year a little bit down. Right. And it wasn't until these last three years. And you have to go all the way back to the start of like. And granted, they had been going up since the uh, you know late 90s when you had 500. Then it went up to 800 fields, but ever since then it had gone up until that point, and then it would it was kind of like a little roller coaster up peaks and valleys, up and down. In the last three years, it has steadily gone up little by little, and I think this nine percent jump. Uh, was is a nice indicator that, in my guess, one. and and we discussed last week, 
could this be to the online, you know, uh, satellite tournaments to get into this? I don't know if they're going to release those types of numbers. I do have a few numbers here. You know, but my guess is Dave, you know, now and hopefully Pennsylvania will be online with poker and everything else by the time everything comes around next year. I, I you know, I don't, I don't have a problem foreseeing. If I was uh, the porn, uh, torn, poker tournament director over there, I'd be anticipating this field to grow to 81, maybe 8,200 next year. Yeah. And, and you know, prepare for that because yeah. I believe that trend is going to continue to go up. And I would attribute a lot of that to the be, being to being able to get online for some of these states. People don't need to leave the country now. They can pick up residence in one of these states instead of leaving the country. Um, I just think this is a great number. Uh, it's nice to see this in the main event. I haven't followed it. I know some of the numbers were down in some of the tournaments, but... You know, when you come to the main event, that's 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 the granddaddy right there. And I, to right. see these numbers up like this, I think is a super positive sign. Well, one of the things we always look at is the number of women in the field. There were 301 women, which is less than 4%. Yeah, which is, there. again, they can't seem to get over that hurdle. No, they did not. Uh, the money bubble was at uh, 1,182 players. Uh, which came uh, on uh, the 8th, which was, uh, what, yesterday? Yesterday. I guess. And uh, the funny thing was uh, there was a player that busted out in 1,183rd place and wins a main event entry for next year year. for bubbling the main event. Uh, It was funny because there were two players. They needed to knock out two more players to get to the bubble. One of them got knocked out, and then... Jack Effo called for a temporary halt so they could color up the chips with still one player to go so that they could also, uh, you know, film this stuff and get ready for that. But uh, it was funny. Uh, Lance Bradley tweeted. He said uh, it was a 20-minute break he called for to color up the chips with one player needed to get to the money. And he said this was the loudest chorus of boos I have ever heard in this building. <laughs> So it's crazy. Listen, Everybody may, went out. Maybe he was told to do that, you know, uh, for for dramatic effects, I guess, for TV or something, you know. The minimum payout was fifteen thousand for the uh, first bunch of, I think, about two hundred players, maybe, that got knocked out uh, after the money bubble, and uh, the total number of players, as you mentioned, seventy-eight, seventy-four. First place, eight point eight million dollars. Five million for Five second. Five per second, thirty-seven fifty, uh, three thousand, uh, three million seven hundred fifty thousand for third. I should say, all the way down to one million for ninth place. So uh, this is going to be, I think, the third largest payout for first because we had the it 12, might have been. There was a 10, twelve million 12 that gold, gold and then there was a ten million guarantee on uh, Martin Jacobson. And now I believe this, and but this is, I believe, the second largest field we've ever had. Yeah, it is. It is. So. Uh, all 50 states in the United States uh, were represented. Uh, the second largest number, as you might guess, was Canada with 415 players. UK we had 350 players. And uh, many, many countries represented, uh, including uh, Zambia and Qatar and uh, Luxembourg, the Isle of Man. Uh, so uh, a, a huge field, and... Uh, I'm I'm happy for that, you know. I'm uh, it's great to see. Yeah, this is I, th- I like I said if I was a director over there, I'd, I'd be smiling from ear to ear. And my guess would be, Dave, if if I know I'm going to be at this job for a while, 
if more and more states fall in line to getting back, you know, getting online poker and you start, you know, uh, what's that word? Com- not co- commingling. Commingling with, uh, with the other players and, you know, g- getting that pool of poker players, as our, our good friend Randy Casper used to say, the... Uh, what was that word that he used to use? The uh, and not equity. liquidity. Liquidity of players. It's not that far fetched for me to think that they could be at ten thousand players within the next four to five years. Right. Uh, players from eighty-eight countries. I looked up the number, and uh, eighty-eight countries uh, sent players to the tournament this year. Oh, the other thing we were looking at that we had a big uh, uh, anticipatory discussion about was whether. The third day would be the largest, or maybe more people would come earlier. You were right on that by far. <laughs> uh, the first day was only 925. Uh, day 1B was 2,378. And then day 1C, which gave it the big field, 4,571. Which players. I think is their largest third day uh, field that they've ever had. I think it is also. You no, know. the largest, that was the largest single flight. Right, in the history. single, right, the single largest flight, right. So, um, again, I knew that that day, as a poker player, you know, we we were discussing the holiday because it fell on the Fourth of July. I was like, you know, when you're a poker player, if if this is, and the pattern has been there for many years that the third day is the heaviest day, right? You know, the Fourth of July actually it's the reason why I didn't think it would affect it. I think it meant more people would even probably be going towards it because of the holiday atmosphere, right? To play in it, and sure enough. It, it definitely didn't affect it in a negative way. Uh, just some other quick numbers for you. Florida, if you're wondering uh, how many players from Florida, 456. And that's players who are listed as sometimes they write their old hometown that they were born in. Uh, they don't always put exactly where they're living right now. So that's not a true number. Uh, sometimes players live here for a long time, then they move on. Jessica Dolly's a perfect example, lives in Vegas now, that lived for many years in Palm Beach and Broward counties. Well, and, and in the reverse side now, you know, you've got a lot of people who, you know, say this is their second home, but wind up living here eight, nine, yeah, ten exactly. months out of the year. Exactly. But uh, California had over 1,000 players. Nevada, of course, would be big, as you might mention, as might expect. Uh, 519 players, and Florida was third with 456. So California led the, the, the field the, with 1,000. Yes. Um, just a little bit of uh, some of the technical numbers, how many things they need. Uh, uh, chips in play, 267,000-plus chips in play. 267 million, right? Uh, 267,000 physical chips. Oh, physical yeah, chips. Yeah, not, not, oh, not, not value. value. The, the value is three, 393 million. Almost 400 million. Uh, each player started with 34 individual chips. And uh, number of dealers, what do you think the number of dealers is? Uh, number of dealers just for the main used, event? Used for the main. Just for the main event, nine. Well, let me see. So you got... Oh, good Lord. I would probably have to say somewhere around 1,500. No, not that many. No? 760. Okay, because I don't know how they how they break down their tables. How, how about decks of cards? How many decks of cards? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah, this is almost impossible. This. I can't even imagine that. Let me see. If you said how many dealers? 760. 760? I'll multiply that by at least four or five no, to get to the top. Too, ma- too many. Too many? Uh, 1,694 decks of cards. 1,600? Yeah, almost 1,700. So a little bit more than double. Uh, the oldest player, John Olson of Moss Point, Mississippi, 88 years old. 
And Nicholas Dashino of Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, the youngest player, uh, turned 21 on July 1st. So he just got in under the wire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, the other thing that really kind of uh, popped out at me was uh, ages of the players. That there was only about 4%, just barely more than the number of women, uh, of age range 21 to 25. Really? That's 310 small. players. Only five of those were female. Uh, that's not a good trend right No, there. it isn't. That's it not is, a very it, good trend It really right isn't. Uh, the most uh, age group, if you go by fives, uh, 31 to 35 had almost 1,700 players. Uh, over 1,000 players, 56 or older. Well, and I think you can attribute those numbers, Dave. Obviously, as you get older, you're more successful. You've built... You've built your career, your you know your your personal wealth, uh, made your connections. So maybe you got friends that want to back you up, and everything else. That that what was it? Thirty-one to thirty-five had the largest number. Well, those are all the young internet stars that we've had growing up over these last few years. Yeah, exactly. And I think the lower number of twenty-one Getting to twenty-five is due to the fact that poker isn't. You know, on the internet anymore, yeah. like it was. So I don't think you're going to see an increase in those numbers until you know you start seeing a lot more states uh, allowing you know poker players uh, to, from the United States to play. And you know, so I those numbers really don't surprise me. The biggest surprise that you mentioned there, and again, it's actually a little bit disappointing, is that. Out of that 300 and something from 21 to 25, only five were women. Right. You know, I, I'd be honest with you, if the numbers that we had for the women, once again, you said it was about a little over 4%, was it? It was uh, a little under 4%. A little under 4%. But if that number from 21 to 25 had been something around 25 to 30 percent, you know, 30 women, you would have to say, well, that's a positive look, yeah. even though the the total number is three percent, because that means you're you're attracting a lot more younger women. That would have been about ten percent of the total amount of people. And again, you'd be looking at a trend that you could say, okay, this is something that we can look to build on. These are women we could talk to and say, how, how come you went to this year? With, you know, what made it favorable for you? This is something that I think they should do at the World Series of Poker. Maybe you know get some of their top female, just so they feel comfortable, and have someone ask them, you know, why did you enter? Why wouldn't you enter? And Because I think, like you said, they this is a situation that this is what they need. This is the last hurdle, as we've mentioned many times, for them to overcome. Right. Well, let's take our first break. Lots of things to talk about. The Poker Hall of Fame and uh, nominations are out. Uh, we got several hands I'd like to discuss, and, of course, the Phil Helmuth in, uh, incident. We will talk about that as well. Uh, the broadcast on ESPN, ESPN2, uh, again, uh, Lon McCarron and uh, Norman Chad. The third person in the booth, Antonio Esfandiari. Uh, when he was playing, they brought in Jamie Kerstetter, who is responsible for my favorite tweet of the tournament thus far. I'd be fine with the main event being a freeze-out. If they gave one re-entry only to John Hesp. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Poker Action Line, thanks for being with us, and we will be back after this. This is Poker Action Line. 
This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Oh. You around MVP. Yeah, man. Yo, Drew, I finally got round MVP. Round MVP. <laughs> no way. That was some ownage. It's a good thing you got me as your wingman. Right. You mean when you threw that flash grenade at me? Whatever, man. Huge round. Seriously, great stuff. Finally earning round MVP takes determination. So will getting into college. I've got what it takes. All right, class. I'm going to pass back your test. And a high score goes to Brian. Oh, Aww. yeah. High score, baby. We're all good at something. Maybe it's break dancing or skateboarding or video games. Whatever you're good at, you have the skills to make it happen. And those same skills will help you get to college. Visit knowhowtogo.org to learn what you should be doing right now to prepare for college. Start taking the steps at knowhowtogo.org. I've got what it takes. So do you. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation, and the Ad Council. I joined the National Guard for opportunity. Over 200 career choices and paid training. Money for college. A steady paycheck. Only one thing stood between me and my benefits. Basic training. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy. The obstacle course was really challenging. Now, I'm a National Guard soldier. I help my community. I can protect my country. I'm proud to be on this team. Because I got stronger. Because I got to go to college. The Guard helped me succeed. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask us how you can prepare for basic training. Two big situations we want to talk about. Phil Hellmuth and Maurice Hawkins. Uh, we'll get to Hawkins later. Uh, he actually uh, got into a verbal uh, confrontation with another player who used the N-word and was uh, actually... Uh, just kicked out of the tournament, disqualified. Uh, and the funny thing was, and when we get into the the results, it wasn't when that happened, when he said that. Actually, he got a penalty at the time for doing that, a two-orbit penalty. And then when he came in to play the following day, they went up to the table and disqualified him. So it wasn't at the same time, which I, I don't really consider that to be cool. No, but I guess they were at reacting to the reactions. Yes, absolutely. You know, listen, we've we've we have witnessed this we have witnessed this in real life, you know, uh you know, just recently the Roseanne Barr thing and you know, it's we've gotten to a point, I hate to say in this country, where people are feeling comfortable getting back to using that word, you know, uh like idiots publicly, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, we, we, none of us, none of us at our age, Dave, uh, you know, are going to sit here and tell you that people don't use that word, uh, you know, and everybody, you know, who's been around a while knows that, but some people have had the common sense not to use that word in public. We've we've known that's not not a <laughs> a PC uh, word to be used. It never should have been, uh, but you know. At, at our current state here, the go- with everything being allowed and accepted, you know, and I think, like you said, th- the disqualification should have come immediately. Yeah. One to get the reaction that it needed to get to let people know there's there's no tolerance for this type of behavior. 
uh, and for those words to be uttered uh, here in this in, in, the, in the biggest tournament in the world. Right. And you really don't want that. Well, I want to talk about uh, Phil Hellmuth uh, because obviously Phil is, uh, you know, a major figure. He uh, they took a lot of criticism for a 1.8 markup on for a tournament earlier in the series, which got his name in there. Of course, he has a book out called Hashtag Positivity, <laughs> but, uh, which he is plugging. He, of course, is now on the WPT, so he doesn't have as much to do with the WSOP as he once did. Uh, but he is playing an event, obviously, and uh, this was on day 2C, which was, uh, I guess it was Saturday. So it came in the wee hours of the morning, and uh, it was very late. Uh, I think it was maybe about three hands to go. Uh, Helmuth was at the feature table, uh, which was being broadcast at the time by Poker Go, not ESPN. So uh, there was a th- left with a three-way hand at the end of the night. Uh, the blinds were 800, 1600, 200 ante. Alex Kuzman uh, raised to 3200 from middle position. He had King Deuce of Diamonds. Helmuth flatted, flat called with pocket sevens, uh, heart in the club. And the short stack was uh, James Campbell, a firefighter from uh, Hudson, Massachusetts, who called with Ace Nine of Diamonds. Okay. So he's in pretty good shape, really, uh, and especially after the flop came down. Four of diamonds, three of diamonds, ten of spades. Uh, Campbell, who had been kind of a thorn in the side for Phil, uh, gone in on him several times and uh, was really irritating Phil. Uh, he checked on the hand. Uh, Kuzman continued for 3,000, and Helmy snapped min-raise to 6,000. Camby check-raised him all in with his final 26,200 chips, and Phil went off. He said, uh, this mother effing guy, of course it was bleeped out on the, sh- on the broadcast, he effing got away with murder all day against me. How in the F does this happen? <laughs> so there's three players in the hand still. Right. Uh, and Sean Deeb, who was commenting on the final table, says, you can't talk in a multi-way pot give away your weakness with an opponent still to act. Right. He said it's so wrong, and he gets away with this stuff all the time. He said, if I'm sitting with a king high flush draw, I know that Phil is not continuing if I call. That totally affects the action and hurts the opponent's equity. So uh, he Phil finally did shut up. Uh, Kuzman called. Uh, Helmuth folded. And Camby uh, it was all, already all in. So the turn uh, was the deuce of... I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, whatever it was. It was a deuce of hearts, I think it was. And then the river was a brick. So, so he won with a pair so of So he won with a pair of deuces. Which Phil would have won with his pocket seven exactly. if he had called and made the call. Exactly. So uh, he's a firefighter, a good guy, and everybody liked him throughout the evening watching the show. So everybody was really pissed. Uh, uh, not And Phil apologized first for swearing, uh, like that was the biggest deal. But he said, uh, it was a three-way pot. I shouldn't have lost it. It was the 15th time this guy moved all in on me, and emotions got the better of me. But he said to the guy Campbell, you were never going to win that hand, though. You snap moved all in, and I was never folding seven on a draw-heavy board. So, uh, Which means if his opponent hadn't called in front of him, he would have called behind him. Right. Which I agree with 100%. Right. Okay, but regardless, 
you know, you should not be making those comments, as Sean D. you know, correctly stated, that, you know, it's a multi-way pot. You don't ask questions. You don't talk about what the opponent could have. You know, this just, just gives away too much information to another player who has yet to have acted. You understand? If both players have gone all in, then you sit there and talk all you want because it's, it's up to you to decide. But you had people who hadn't decided yet that I, I don't – was he penalized for that? He was not penalized. And, in fact, that was one of the reactions. Uh, uh, someone who wrote in said uh, the floor was there and did nothing. A lot of anger is due to that. If Phil was at least given a penalty, it would have been easier to tolerate how things went down. Mistakes happen, but they now, need to be dealt with. Now, I want to be sure that you've got this correct okay. because you know how I am with my memory, okay, because I got an interesting story. Uh, the guy who got eliminated had ace-nine of diamonds? Yes. Okay, well, do you know that Phil Helmuth was... Ace-nine or ace-six, what did I say? Uh, well, you said ace-nine. That's why I want to ask to make sure, and I and I think it was ace... It might ace-nine. Yeah. It was ace-nine? Yes. Yeah, because Phil, Phil Helmuth, if, if, if I am not mistaken, and I know I'm not, was eliminated... By an ace nine of diamonds, that's Later what took on. him on out in the ta- in the tournament. Yeah, Karma's a bitch. You know, when you said ace nine, I didn't know about that. I'm going. Wait a minute, this is too much karma. When uh, when it, when his opponent who knocked him out of the tournament, out of the main event, uh, caught a three outer on the river and caught a nine against his ace king. Right. So this is a little bit of karma. Again, you know, as a poker room manager, Dave, and as a tournament director. I'm having a nice little talk with whoever the supervisor was there. That, to me, sounded like he was a little intimidated that he's dealing with, quote, Phil. a poker superstar, right. you know, um, and was giving him the benefit of the doubt. And at this point, it's, you know, in the, in, a, in the main event, you have to, you know, make sure it doesn't matter if it's Phil Helmuth, you know, the man who holds the most bracelets in the history of the WSOP as of right now. You know, you've got to set an example. Phil apologized. And I agree. And again, I agree 100% that Phil would never have folded those pocket sevens if his opponent had not made the call in front of him. Uh, the player, Campbell, uh, who is known as Camby, uh, said, I, I think he deserved the penalty for sure. I think only because it was it was because he was Phil Helmuth that he got away with it with the floor standing right there, behind that's us. That's exactly what I just uh, said. <laughs> he says, uh, I was very upset at the time but didn't want to give away any information about my, the strength of my hand. Uh, he said, if I had won the hand, I would have given Phil a piece of my mind. But uh, I thought it was better not getting into it until, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to think about it. But he says, uh, the, the, you know, and, and Justin Bonomo called for a retroactive penalty uh, the next day. Uh, I, I would have had no problem with that. Like I said, the disappointing part that, you know, as Sean Deeb, I'm sure, made, uh, you know, as he was making comments, is that something wasn't done right there on the spot. Regardless of the outcome of that hand, you're now going to be facing X amount of, you know, the, an orbit or two. Whatever whatever their rules are and whatever their penalty is stated, that should have been given immediately. And I like what you the rest of the story that you're going to continue yeah. with that people uh, insisted on. Okay, let's go to this. Uh, Helmuth was claimed that if Kuzman had folded, 
he would have called, and he's, and a lot of people didn't buy that. Do you buy that? I do. You do? I do. I don't see. I mean, I don't know how much. What was it, 26000 uh, that the guy had raised, Phil had yeah. raised? So it would have been 26000 more to Phil? 20000 more. 20000 more? 6000 already in. I don't think Phil drops. I, yeah. I, I think Phil probably probably Especially puts because he up, had about 100000 Phil probably maybe. puts him on a, on a diamond draw with overcards, and that's probably when his opponent, the other player, called. You know, Phil just said, you know, I'm either trailing right now or they both have great draws on me that I'm that, that I'm going to have to, you know, overcome two cards and two opponents. I I honestly believe that Phil would have made that call. Um, you know, again, I don't know the 20,000, how much it affected Phil's stack at that point, but I think he would have been pissed off enough that is, if the opponent that kind of he talked into calling. <laughs> two other good comments uh, from Bonomo, who's the hottest player on the planet right now. Uh, he says that, uh, you know, that this behavior is far beyond what is acceptable. He's gotten enough warnings in the past, but this plays into his strategy in an unfair pattern we've seen for years. He doesn't like aggressive players after him, especially short stacks who can move in on him. And this isn't an isolated accident. He gains a huge edge by influencing action to bust the third player. And Deeb uh, went on Twitter and said, Phil, you're always folding there. Please stop with that logic. If you were calling, you would have not have swore so much... Uh, as usual, you use delusional logic after seeing his holding in the runoff. Admit you screwed up and deserve a penalty at the minimum. Well, I agree with Sean that he screwed up and deserves a penalty. I don't know if I agree with him not making that call if the opponent in front of him folds. Right. You know, I think that's a little bit more of the bias in the scenario. And again, this is not having. I'm, I'm not following. <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a fan of watching Phil play throughout throughout uh, every tournament that he plays in. Uh, and seeing how his actions are, um, but yeah, you know, we, you know, he's gotten a reputation, you know, for many years. Uh, great observational uh, uh, co- comment from Justin Bonimo. Doesn't like aggressive people behind him, right? And he's always, you know, he always cries. Uh, we all know that Phil Helmuth is great for poker. He's probably one of the reasons, along with Moneymaker and other things, that poker has grown to what it is. But you know, Sean Deeb said it. He he knows a lot better than that, and he needs to be penalized. He needs to take it like a man and just shut up about it. But um, I don't know. Did he agree to the scenario that you're about to get to? Because well, I'm very interested about that. Here's here's where the story goes on. Uh, first of all, he Phil didn't show up until after the first hour the next mo- next day. Uh, said that he was resting. That he didn't sleep well. Uh, he took a social media thrashing, he said, so he was resting in bed with his wife listening to 70s music. Uh, so he got Annie off for the first hour. Uh, but he said that he felt that Campbell was one of the nicest guys ever. He put up with me, joked with me, laughed with me, and deserved better from me. So uh, someone suggested on Twitter that maybe Phil might pay for his uh, entry next year into the 2019 main event. Uh, Phil said, went on Twitter and said, uh, I lost sleep over my outburst. I believe you lose the hand anyway, but maybe I'm wrong. You handled yourself well and played well. As a gesture of goodwill and because I respect policemen and firefighters, I'm going to buy you into next year's main event. And I think that's phenomenal of Phil. It's a, a goodwill gesture. Uh, obviously, the opponent, which I didn't know until you just mentioned that, is either a policeman or a, fire, a firefighter. A firefighter. So, 
it's a good way for Phil to kind of turn this a little bit and take some of the heat off of himself. Um, obviously, he did, had been following on social media the thrashing he was taking. Uh, you know, we've had we've had guests here, including our good friend uh, Mark. Uh, you know that told us that Phil Hellmuth was a real nice guy when he dealt to him. Uh, Mark Perlman when, when right. he dealt to him that he shook hands with everybody else and. You know, I would imagine a lot of this is obviously his act, his stick that he knows it's what got him there, and part of that is probably because it's part of his personality. It's probably what part of what makes him a great player, you know. But um, again, he should definitely have known better. The uh, WSOP should have definitely, uh, you know, uh, instilled a penalty on him of whatever their their decision is, whatever their rules state stated is. I'm glad that he did this. Um, you know, hopefully this is this is not to say a happy ending to it, but maybe with the way at the beginning of that thing, getting a buy-in into next year's tournament might be a might actually be a, a, a positive for po- Bill. Very positive for both of them. Yeah, exactly. You understand this is something that they can both. This yeah, gentleman now has a whole year to look forward to to coming back and yeah. know he's got a free tournament. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll look at some other hands as well. We'll talk about the Maurice Hawkins thing. Uh, I do want to take another break, uh, and we'll look at some of the current uh, standings. Chino Ream also, I want I got a hand to look at with him. Uh, and Phil Ivey uh, did get a chance to see that. You were interested in finding out how he got knocked out, so we'll look at that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Let's take a break here. We'll be back and uh, talk about a few more things when we return. Uh, thanks for being with us, and I hope you stick around for the entire show. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, 
Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking main event, talking Phil Hellmuth, talking uh, poker hands at the main event. A few th- interesting ones uh, that I looked over, including uh, ones played by uh, uh, Phil Ivey at the feature table. I want to get to that in just a second. They're down to 171 players. And uh, chip leader still Alexander Gross, last we have. And uh, a couple of people got knocked out. Kyle Julius, Adam Levy, ruthless, a uh, local player here from South Florida at one time. I think lives in Vegas now as well. Uh, both some of the latest players knocked out. but uh, And Alexander Gross, uh, Hari Berkovici has moved into second, uh, almost even with Gross. Uh, they are one and two at this point. Barry Hutter still hanging in there in six with five point one four five million, and uh, we'll keep an eye on what's How's happening. How's Kelly there. Minkin doing? Kelly Minkin. That's, that's what I'm interested in to see how. Like to see a female make the final table and maybe maybe even take this thing down. Uh, last I have is the four point one. Don't have anything new on that. A uh, couple other things. A uh, couple other hands I want to talk about. I want to talk about a Chino Ream hand that I thought was interesting, uh, just to show that. When you're playing well, of course, that's all out the window now that he's out and won $42,000. But at one point, uh, there was a hand, uh, and Reem not afraid to say what he thinks as well. He opened for 30000 in middle position. His opponent three-bet him to 79000 from the cutoff. And the action folded back to Reem. He called and, and said, action is on you, sir. So the dealer spreads this, uh, the flop, ten of hearts. Eight of clubs, eight of hearts. And uh, the guy that was playing Reams bet 90000 and said, now the action is on you. And Reem grabbed his grabbed a stack of chips. He said, nope, it's back on you. He <laughs> dropped in a stack of uh, uh, 600000 was the bet. He raised it from a $90,000 bet to 600000 Right. So his opponent uh, called. Uh, he had 548,000 left, so he called all in. And they flipped the cards, and Reem had ace, deuce of hearts. So, so he had flopped the nut flush. Nut flush draw. And not not a didn't have the nut flush yet, but uh, had to draw. Oh, I thought you said there was three hearts on the flop. I'm sorry. No, uh, it was 10-8-8. Uh, His opponent had 8-6 of diamonds, so he had flopped the set of eights. All right, th- trip eights. So the five came on the turn, uh, nine of hearts on the river. And that gave Chino Ream, that that point, 3.5 million chips in the chip lead. So basically, in my opinion, outplayed. But, you know, I guess when you have the nut flush draw that, you know, you can try a few of these things, especially if the other guy had a much smaller stack. What do you think well, about that point? I I think that he thought his opponent might have a 10 I don't. I don't think he put him on on the uh, the trip eights uh, that he had. Uh, I think he put his opponent on on a you know some maybe ace ten. Um, I don't think Chino because Chino knows this guy's not going to fold if, if if he has an eight in his hand, you know, uh, which is the case exact case. Yeah. Chino Chino I think either said this guy's making a play at this pot with that flop, 
you know, and I think Chino would have been extremely happy if this guy had let that hand go and not made the all-in call at the end. Right. So he knows if this guy makes the all-in call at, I think, at bare minimum, having over half a million in chips is sitting with trip eights. Yeah. So. Uh, Phil Ivey, I want to talk about him a minute. When you checked in on the uh, the show, you said he was one of two guys with over a million chips at the he table? Was at, he was at one of the featured tables. Um, at the point that I started watching it, he was the only one that had, I believe he had just under 1.2 million. Uh, there was a hand in action. Uh, one of the other players that was sitting with about 800, the second chip leader at the table at about 840, 50,000, and got involved in a hand that he took down uh, that put him just over a million. So the announcers were making, you know, I, I mean, I had already witnessed it, but they're saying, oh, now we have two players with over a million in chips. Watched a few more hands, saw him just fold, fold, fold. Then I had to, to go to work. And when I got home very early in the morning, I, I said, let me just check and see how many players are left. And then I re- saw that he got eliminated 500 and something. Uh, you know, they had uh, just made the money uh, when I was watching the, the him ha- holding that 1.2. There was a story that he had asked the World Series of Poker not to put him on the featured TV table. And I think eventually they must have talked him into it because this was later, obviously, in the tournament. Uh, he lost a big chunk of his stack, about a quarter of his stack, on a hand uh, where a young guy uh, had pocket threes. I don't remember exactly how the hand completely went down and when the money went in, but Phil was holding king eight, I think suited. And uh, there was a th- there was a three on the flop, and I believe the eight came on the turn. So Phil had... Uh, Pocket eights, or no, Phil had a pair of eights. Pair of eights. That's what I mean. And the other guy had the, the, uh, set, the of, set, set of threes. Of threes. Uh, raised Phil went in. Phil had made a bet of a hundred thousand. This other fellow raised him to two sixty-five. And Ivy went in the tank for seven minutes because they commented and they had to walk the clock on him. Nobody had the guts to call the clock on him because he's Phil Ivy. Right. Uh, eventually, he did call and end up losing about uh, a quarter of his chips. But here's the hand he got knocked out on. It was against Brian Altman, who uh, we've had on the show before. He was won the uh, uh, Lucky Hearts Poker Open a few, in 2014 here at Seminole Hard Rock. And I uh, just interviewed him uh, at Coconut Creek earlier this year, and, and we ran an interview with him on that show. Uh, Ivy opened at 22000 for middle position. Uh, Altman three bet to seventy five thousand in the hijack. Uh, the action folded back to Ivy. Made the call. The flop was Queen Jack Deuce two spades. Ivy check called a bet of sixty thousand from Altman. Uh, the eight of spades landed on the turn. So now you had a flush. You had a flush, flush possible flush. Uh, both players checked to the three of diamonds on the river. And Ivy checked one more time. Uh, Altman made a bet of 195,000, and Ivy check raised all in 629. Finally, Altman made the call and turned over Ace Queen or Queen Jack. So he had the pair on the flop. He had the top two on the flop. Ivy had pocket nines. So a little surprising that he would uh, that he would go all in there. Uh, he didn't put his opponent on a flush. Or straight, and he figures his opponent would all. He probably thought his opponent would only call him if he had a flush or a straight, 
Um, you know, the way the action played out, Altman didn't believe his story. Didn't believe how he how he got to the end and made the all-in bet. Uh, he probably said, Phil probably had a queen with a big kicker, maybe ace-queen or something, and I've got two pairs. And, you know, how long did it take Altman to make the call after Ivy went all-in? Quickly? Was it a snap uh, call? I, I would say uh, not a snap call. Probably thought about it a little bit. Uh, maybe not not seven minutes, but maybe uh, you know a minute. Phil's or all two. in didn't make any sense to him, and and you know, I'm sure he watching the betting pattern and everything else, and um, you know made the correct call. But yeah, you know, but there's a lot of things out there that could that could beat him. You know, I'm uh, I'm sure if they play in the future, <laughs> Phil will remember remember the call that he made on this hand, and uh, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, one other hand I want to look at because I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, again, poker is a game of skill over the long period, but in individual hands you need some luck, obviously. You do, but uh, but you're right. It's a game of skill, not only knowing how to get your money in there with the best draws, but knowing how to read your opponents. That's also a skill. That's that's might be even the best skill that you need at a poker table is to be able to to get into your opponent's uh brain and figure out how they're thinking and how they think you're thinking and you know as we've said many times the top poker players in the world taking down huge pots without the best hand uh this was a three-way pot uh, a fellow named uh Daniel uh, Wilson uh was the original preflop aggressor uh he had an early raise uh that was called by three other players uh, the flop came queen, five of diamonds, and the deuce of clubs. Uh, a fellow named Roberto Rodriguez Carrera. Uh, check raised the continuation bet of Wilson, who then folded uh, after calling the... Uh, after after uh, There was an all-in then from a, a, a fellow from China named Ji Yang. And uh, the other player was uh, Gregory DeFeo. Who uh, end up all up all in? So you got two players all in. Uh, they tabled their cards. Uh, DeFeo had six four of diamonds. And the two, flop was two diamonds queen on the five flop. of diamonds and right. a deuce. Right. So okay. he has a gut shot, uh, low gut shot, and he's got the flush draw. Uh, Rodriguez Carrera has pocket fives. So he had a, so set he had a flop the set. And Yang had pocket queen, so he had flopped the set. <laughs> Uh, I think you could tell so, what's going to happen here. Something tells me that 6-4 is going to win this hand. Yes, exactly. And uh, King, there was a king on the turn. Uh, changed nothing. Uh, but the ten of diamonds on the river gave this guy uh, eliminating uh, one player. And then uh, <laughs> the player with the queen's got the smaller side pot. So uh, just, a, you know, things can happen. Uh, obviously, if you play the hand right, uh, you know, the guy with the... Oh, the guy with the queens isn't going anywhere. The guy with the with the set of fives is also not going anywhere because he's not putting anybody. I, you know, and I wish I could give credit to the top player who did this once. I saw a tournament uh, just changing the TV, and like you know, I don't like watching old poker tournaments. But I stopped at a very interesting hand because this one gentleman had flopped uh, top two. But it was, I believe he had a 10-9. The flop came like 10-9-4, and two of the cards were suited. And he, you know, the one guy came out making a bet against him. 
and he raced with the top two. The other guy thought about it for a while and thought about it for a while and decided, all right, I'm going to put you to the test, and he went all in. And the poker player who had the top two, who was early in the tournament, had a very large stack. This guy probably had about 25 to 30% of his stack, you know, that it would have cost him maybe even up to 40%, Dave. And the guy says, I think I got you crushed right now. He goes, but you've probably got great draws on me. And I'm not, it's too early in the tournament for me to be taking this chance. And he showed his opponent, the 10-9, that he was folding top two. And he didn't say he put the guy on a set, you know, that he could say, okay, I'm, I'm crushed if you have a set. Uh, sure enough, his opponent held the jack-queen suited in the two suits that were out on the board. So the guy, does, not only was he chasing a, uh, the flush, he was open-ended for the straight. You know, and had two over cards on the board. They didn't. They didn't run the turn or the river. But uh, you know, I saw a man who knew he had the much better hand lay it down. Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to take one more final break. Uh, there has not been a double bracelet winner this year, and it could be the first time since 1999 that hasn't happened, where a player won two or more bracelets. Uh, so we'll talk about that. A couple other things, starting off this main event and things that can happen to you. A couple of interesting stories on that as well. Uh, players that that we might that we talk about a lot on the show that we pull for. Uh, Jason Mercier got knocked out on day three. Besides Helmuth, he also had Anthony Zeno, Alex Foxen, uh, Chris Ferguson got knocked out on day three as well. Eric Lindgren and uh, others, Matt Berkey, Alex Foxen. So, uh, also wanted to mention Barbara Enright is the last woman who made the final table. That was back in 1995. At the end of day three, she had 1.26 million chips. Yeah, I saw her name last night or this early this morning when I went to bed, and I couldn't believe that I was seeing Barbara Enright. I was, like, so happy to see that. You know, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's a shame. Sure I think she, got a, she was short-stacked at that point with 350, so... Okay, she's out now, though, and our last break uh, is upon us. We'll take it here, and when we come back, we'll finish up with a couple of interesting stories from first hands of the day when we return. We'll be back. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, 
You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show. Uh, I think we'll have to save the Maurice Hawkins for next week. Uh, he was uh, called the N-word by another player who got a two-orbit penalty and has then the next day disqualified from the event because of all the the, the reaction on the social exactly. media. Exactly. Now, what I wanted to ask you was, because I was starting to read that up, but I don't know what took me away from it. I know that he got disqualified. I didn't know. I thought he had been disqualified on the moment you mentioned no. it was the next Came day. The next day, and not so only that, they, but they, banned, they enforced the two. They gave orbit, him a lifetime ban from the facility too, which they should. So when he got the two orbit penalty, did he come back and sit down and play till, uh, the, till the end of conclusion that day, or or I'll, did his I'll two orbits, or did his two orbits take him into the end of the day? I don't think and so. And he came back because I don't think so. I'm know, not that, sure. Th- that, that was a little rough. It, if it ended his day, and then they thought about it and said, you know what, we just can't allow this to occur at, at the greatest poker tournament in the world. Uh, you know, For me, the mistake was not letting him, not telling him you're completely disqualified, escorting him off the property. Make it an example out of that man, because it's, that's just you can't tolerate right. that in, in today's well, world. Well, we'll get to that next week, but very quickly, uh, you got to be ready when you sit down to the table. you got to be ready to play. Uh, here it is, so day one, first hand, Victor Ramden is dealt pocket kings. Uh, there was a, a woman at the table that was playing there. Uh, Ramden uh, raised to 1,500. The original raiser, uh, who had raised to 400 from the blinds of 150, uh, 75 and 150. The original raiser made the call. Everyone else folded. The flop was 10-4-3. Um, uh, Rainbow, uh, the opponent uh, woman let out with a four thousand bet. Ramden called, and the turn was a ki- another king. Was a king. Yeah, so he was in command. Obviously, uh, she let out with a thirteen thousand bet. Ramden raised it to twenty six. She moved all in for forty four thousand five hundred. He snap called. He snap called. His opponent had queen jack. Oh, this is this sounds like flush an draw. ace. This sounds like an ace, a nine, and oh, and he, she had the flush draw on top of that. She had there. Uh, she had uh, no, no flush draw. So all she had was open ended. Yeah. Oh, this woman doesn't know how to play poker. Yeah, there was a queen on the river, which is just like rubbing uh, salt in the wound. Uh, so she left after one but hand. But she only had she only had the up and down straight draw, and she uh, not, got knocked out in the first hand. So that was her fault. But another hand that's even more shocking was Max Steinberg, who made the November 9 a couple of years ago. First hand gets pocket aces, ends up getting it all in against another player who had pocket kings. Very first hand of the tournament. King on the flop. <laughs> Blanks on the, ri- on the turn and river and... Max Steinberg out on, on the, the very, very first hand. hand. He said, uh, just to clarify, he said, uh, the under the gun, uh, uh, 
raised to 375. He made it 1,200. Both blinds call, and he makes it 45K. Not his whole stack, but 45K. So then, obviously, I have to go all in. So uh, Yeah. But yeah, the, the guy first, was hoping to very take it first down. hand. A guy who went all the way through seven days a couple of years ago gets knocked out on the very first hand that's, of the tournament with pocket aces. That is poker. Yeah, it is. That is poker. I mean, we had we had a pretty much a who's who's list of top poker players that got eliminated on their first day. Yeah, you know, not. I mean, this is this is rare. Scott Bloomfield got knocked out. Uh, Daniel with pocket Negrano, tens. Vanessa Selps. Uh, I had the list in my head. I can't remember it now, but but this year it was Bloomstein and and Ben Lamb both got knocked down on day one A today. Uh, it's just it that's happens. how poker is, man. That's poker, and that's our show tonight. Yes, sir. That will do it. We'll get to the Maurice Hawkins thing, and obviously many other things that will happen. Uh, the story with Phil, I guess, is over, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think at oh. least he came through and offered the guy to buy him in next year, and I'm glad he did that. Yeah, and, and I was hoping to discuss a little situation that Phil had. Well, we'll get to that next week. With our, with our players, so let's see if we can get that next week. Okay, a lot of stuff to talk about every week. We hope you'll join us on every show. Uh, we're trying to line up a few guests for the next couple of shows. We'll see what happens. Uh, Isle Casino hosting their Florida State Poker Championship, moving down to the final table of the first event, and we'll follow the main there later. Uh, thanks for being with us. Gio, thank you as usual for all your help, and we'll be with you with more next week, another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.